Hey, Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast, part 25 of our series, Letters from Prison, and the final part, actually. Today we will be looking into the scriptures of Philippians and kind of using them as a jumping off point for worship. So this podcast is a lot of worship songs, a lot of scripture readings uh, as we kind of celebrate God's word together. And don't forget that uh, you can check us out on the web at northshorevineyard.org for devotionals that I've been posting up, uh, reading and reflections on the book of Philippians uh, that will be up for the next couple of weeks. So they're loaded up fresh Monday through Friday. You can visit that anytime you want. Well, thanks for listening, and we're going to go ahead and head over to North Shore Vineyard Church in downtown Covington. This is kind of the, the main themes that emerged in our church uh, as we've gone through this. The first one, when I asked people how did, how did this study affect you, the first one that I got was um, freedom from religion. I find that there's a lot of folks who uh, really, by looking at the book of Philippians, they came to realize how much their walk with God was really motivated by uh, guilt and shame and fear and, and things like that. I had one guy email me. He said that he had not... He had uh, grown up in church, but the, the church that he grew up in, it was all about shame and guilt. You know, every, everything was always about motivating people with guilt and shame. And, and he said that, that God was always someone you were supposed to be afraid of. So by coming to this uh, church in our study on Philippians, he said he, he began to, to see that God loves him and accepts him as he has. And he said, heck, it's the first time in my, it's in my adult life that I've, come back to church and actually liked it. I like coming back to church. That's pretty cool. Good. And woot. <laughs> and then I had other people who've been Christians for, for 30, 20, 30 years who, who said that, look, you know, I've been a Christian all these times, but I had never realized until we got, went, started going through this, this book that how much of my Christian life was just motivated by guilt, just trying to, to, to you know, hopefully do enough to get God happy with me, and, and they began to experience just a real profound sense of freedom. And anybody identify with that in this? Okay, good. Um, the second thing is, and this was a, a huge theme that a lot of people emailed me about, was following Jesus won't be easy, but God will be with us through whatever we may face. We called this series Letters from Prison, so that kind of kicked off the theme, right? And and it was a letter written from Paul in a prison in Rome, 800 miles away from Philippi. Paul was not going through fun times, and the church in Philippi was beginning to experience persecution. So a lot of people, even who had been Christians a long time, told me, look, you know, I, I hear so much stuff about how, you know, if you follow God, your life's supposed to be happy and, and blessed, and you're never supposed to have any problems. And every time I get into having problems, I think that it's because God's mad at me and I'm doing something wrong. I'm not doing enough. And, and really, they began to see that, hey, look, you know, following Jesus doesn't exempt you from trials and suffering and, and all those things. But the good news is that God is with you through it all. How many of y'all that spoke to you quite a bit in this series? I, I got a lot out of that. Um, 
And then the third thing was, was just simply the grace of God. Obviously, we, we've spoken about the grace of God probably thematically more on, on the weekends than, than anything. And, and, and a lot of people, just the, the revelation that, that God's grace isn't just his ability to overlook our sins, but his empowering presence in our life to, to take us through anything we may face, whether it's relational hardships, financial things, that God gives us his grace and covers us and, and carries us. I, I want to shift gears for a second, talk about movies. How many movie fans do we have in here? Woot, woot. Let's get a woot, woot for the movies. All right. Uh, I, I love movies. Um, and I came across a, a thing uh, f- from AFI, the American Film Institute, uh, a few years ago. They compiled a list of the top 100 quotes from movies of the last 100 years. So we're going to do a little... Um, what do we call it? Uh, competition here or something. Yeah, trivia. If you can name the movie, you're, you're, you're going to get nothing except the satisfaction of... <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a quote, and you tell me if, if you can name the movie that it came from, and then if you can name the actor who actually said it, or actress, then you get bonus points. And, and free mints at the end. You get free mints and coffee. Okay, here's, here's the first quote. Go ahead, make my day. Clint Eastwood, what was the movie? Dirty Harry. Which one, though? Oh, you were in the last service. You, you can't answer that one. <laughs> Cheater. Dirty Harry number four, sudden impact. Okay, all right. This is an easy, this is like a softball one. Toto, I got a feeling we aren't in Kansas anymore. Wizard of Oz. Who, who was the actress? Judy Garland. All right. Oh, you get bonus points there. Double mints for you. Um, how about this one? Here's looking at you, kid. Casablanca. Yeah, Humphrey Bogart. Right. And this is my favorite one. Normally, I actually use this quote when we pass the offering. I'm just a little bit behind the game today. Show me the money. <laughs> Jerry Maguire. Yeah, that was uh, Cuba, Cuba Gooding Jr. Um, how about this one? You can't handle the truth. Yeah, I, I gave that one away, right? Uh, that was awesome. How about, I'll be back. The Terminator. How about this one? Say hello to my little friend. Yes. Yo, Adrian. Which Rocky? Like, we, we, we pretty much... <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> That was one of 20 lines that, that uh, Sylvester Stallone used in five movies. So, uh, uh, <laughs> I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Robert Duvall, Apocalypse Now. And, and this one's the easy one. If you can't get this one, you're kicked out of church. Uh-uh. E.T. Phone Home. <laughs> but who played E.T., though? That's, yeah, nobody knows that one. I don't know that. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> you know, when I'm looking at this list of, of famous quotes, one thing I realized, famous quotes, the iconic quotes of our culture, they don't come from bad movies, right? Th- these famous quotes, they come from the movies that you want to see again and again. Maybe not again and again, but, you, I mean, maybe, maybe Scarface or Apocalypse Now isn't your thing. I, I get that. Uh, but these are the movies that, that are kind of the iconic pictures that, that have lasted in our world. So these amazing movies have given rise to these amazing quotes. Truth is, I've 
never, I, I have to admit something today. I'm, I'm not proud of this, but I've, I've never watched one of the Terminator films. You're kicked out of church. church. I confessed. <laughs> and our pastor con- confessed to not watching Terminator films. Yes, I haven't watched Terminator films. I've seen bits and pieces of them because they, they're always on, you know, USA or whatever. And, uh, but I'm, I'm familiar with the quote, I'll be back. If you ask me what that quote came from, I, I think, well, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger was a, a robot from the future that was trying to help mankind or something from a bunch of other evil robots. Am I, I'm, I'm far off. Okay, see, that, that's the, that, that, that illustrates my point. But if you say something like, you can't handle the truth, I, that, that brings me back to that scene in that movie. Y'all remember that scene in A Few Good Men? Jack Nicholson, he plays a general, and he's, he's up there on the stand, and this young punk lawyer played by Tom Cruise is just hammering him, trying to get him, trying to get at his ego and his pride and trying to just get him to crack. And the moment that he cracks, he says, you can't handle the truth. I could go on, but I won't. <laughs> now, that line, it means something to me because when I hear it, I'm taken back to that scene. See, the, the, the fourth comment that I got about Philippians, and I think this is one, the one that I got the most, was that for many of you, you've heard the iconic lines from Philippians. You've heard, to live is Christ, to die is gain. You've heard, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You've heard, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, or my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But now, you've seen the story. Now, these words aren't just isolated, uh, iconic lines like, I'll be back is to me, or like the line from, you know, I haven't seen Casablanca either. Sorry, yeah, I I know, I got it. I'm I'm going to do that. I'm going to watch nothing but Terminator and Casablanca this afternoon (laughs) to be a good pastor. Uh. (laughs) Well, the comment that I got from a lot of people was, wow, you know, Philippians, it's been good words to me all these years, but now I see that there's a story going on. Now I see that it's not just, it's not just inspirational words, but this was the correspondence between the Apostle Paul who was in prison and a church that was going through persecution, and there's all this, this, this tension and, and, and all these issues that are going on with suffering, triumph, grace, and joy. Now I get it. And, and many people have said, I will never read Philippians again because now I know the story. When I hear to live as Christ, to die as gain, now it's not just some pithy little quote that I see on an inspirational calendar. Now it's, I know it's like, wow, that's the, the very grace of God that helped Paul get through it. And the Philippian church, I've got the same access to that in my life. I've had people tell me that when I read it now, I'm going to remember the story. Because isn't it the stories in life that, that, that really that's the stuff that gets at our heart. It's not the dialogue in a movie that's, that's amazing. You can have the best dialogue in a movie ever, but if the story stinks, you're not going to remember it. It's the story. And what I think we found in, in this, this look into Philippians is that their story, even though it was written some 20, you know, some 2,000 years ago, we can relate to it. Even in this modern day and age, we can relate to that story. And actually, it's part of the way we're being called into a bigger story, a story larger than even Philippians, the story of Christ's redemption. 
It goes all the way back. So we've been drawn into that. So I've, I'm, I'm asking myself and my teaching team this week, we're talking about how the heck do we wrap up something that we've been in for eight and a half months? How do we do that the right way? And you know what I thought? I thought, you know, I think the best way to wrap up our study on Philippians would be to interact with it probably somewhat the way that the church in Philippi would have interacted with this letter. You know, if you were in Philippi, back when Paul wrote the letter, you wouldn't have had one of these, right? This is a Bible, by the way. (laughs) See, when we think of reading the book of Philippians, we think, I'm going to go home and read a couple of chapters out of Philippians. That idea is a very modern idea. That was a thousand years before there was a printing press. Nobody had books to carry around. Philippi, most of the people there would have been illiterate. And so how would they have heard these words that Paul had? They would have found somebody that knew how to read. And they would have gathered in a room like this. And somebody would have got up in front and began to read the words of Paul that were addressed not to Zach or James or Pat or Diane but the letter addressed to them as a group of people. They were interacting with it as a group of people, as a community, hearing the very words for them. And so this morning, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go through the book of Philippians one more time. Well, not all of it, about two-thirds of it this morning. And we're going to let the Scriptures be our launching place into worship. We're going to mix worship and Scripture readings, worship and Scripture readings. And then we're going to kind of, uh, the high point of the service, we're going to have communion together and remember Jesus as a group of people. Because you know what? That's probably what church was like back in Philippi about 2,000 years ago. A bunch of people getting together, hearing the Word of the Lord, responding in worship, celebrating communion. So who's in? Give me a woot. All right. Why don't you stand up? So we, we are going, just so you know, we're going to do readings and worship. So you'll probably just remain standing for a while. All right. Have fun. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Whoops. <laughs> grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And, where, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I 
mountains that I face are stronger than the power of the grave a constant in the trial and the change a one Is the anchor of my soul? 
holds me in the storm. Your love is all I want and all I need. Your love. Love never fails, never gives up, and never runs out on me. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Philippians 1, verses 12 and following. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, Whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now... As always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for me, for you, that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, 
so that through my being and with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound and account on account of me. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Sing every blessing. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord.
Jesus name so beautiful so
Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement for being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but the interest of each of you. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. (laughs) 